welcome to the eighth Mad Axman podcast in the lockdown series. Here, the usual gang of six is joined by Adam, all the way from the south coast, and we have our usual chat about painting. We talk about the Carthaginian, the later Carthaginian list under ADLG, in a pretty epic um, session, which you're free to skip over if that's not your bag. We, we do tell you how long that takes, so you can skip forward. Then we actually, bizarrely, talk about what games we played this week, which is a, a rare departure. Andy's quiz returns, Andy's quiz music returns as well. And then finally, we wrap up with a little look forward to what we might be painting over the next week or so. Sit back, enjoy the podcast. This means war. Okay, well, welcome to the unbelievable eighth edition of Mad Axman Podcast. And um, we're obviously getting overconfident here because we've extended the social circle or social bubble or, or whatever it's called if we we're in New Zealand, um, which apparently is where this all, all comes from, to seven people with a special guest all the way from the south coast of England. It's Mr, as it says here on um, Zoom, Mr Adam's iPad. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Thank you very much. I'm hoping that... Bournemouth is far enough away to count as social distancing, so that should be safe well, and healthy. Well, from what I remember, it was sort of in the 19, late 50s, so that probably counts in, um, in time-wise as much as anything Both else. Both time and space. Time and space, indeed. Um, so, so what we'll do, we'll, we'll wade straight into it, because with seven people, we're probably, stretching, we're probably stretching our own patience, never mind all you poor sods who may be listening to this. So um, we'll, we'll dive straight into the big old question of, what's been painted this week and I'll, I'll go around my zoom screen as usual and start off with Mr. Mr. Leroy Mayer and um, your Chinese chariots on your zoom background. Yeah so um, the biggest thing I've completed this week is I've now finished my 15 mil 15 mil Chinese chariots so um, they're all from from, S, from Eureka Miniatures aren't you Eureka? Yeah I can yeah. see them behind you. Yeah so um They've come out quite nicely, so I've uh, painted up seven of them. So I've got um, two for generals. So they've got you know the, the generals, uh, his chariots more in red. So it's nice and obvious. Right. Is that with a big umbrella on the back? On and, the and a big umbrella because it's all about the, um, the parasol. And then the other chariots, I've managed to um, crowbar in the, the two pikemen or spearmen. So they look like proper four horse chariots. Stab people. So, did you manage to fit the general's ones onto slightly round bases, or, or did you just go sod it? The um, umbrella's really obvious. We won't even no, go with this I, roundy stuff. I managed. I managed to get the the um, the normal general on a forty mil round with a parasol. Wow! Was that all four horses, or did he just go? Did all, he end up with all, a two? All four horses. That's impressive. There, there may have been some trimmage of um, various um, uh, horse bases, bases and all that to get them on the base properly. Okay, so they're just rearing up on their hind legs and they just about fit. Yeah, they they work, just don't look too closely or bend them no. very much. <laughs> right, okay, then they all did it. And has that, has that been it for the week or does that mean you've started? Because I, I saw you got some on our, our secret WhatsApp group. I, I saw that you'd done some shopping from, or was it your stuff had arrived in the post from, from someone? Yeah, my, um, all my Seven Years War Army from uh, QRF Miniatures has now arrived. So... I've um, spent the weekend um, sort of cleaning file, up, yeah. file, filing, cleaning, and getting more ready for um, base coating, uh, which I was going to be doing today, but it's been blowing an absolute gale here here in London. No, it's a bit of right hoolie, hasn't it? Not right. 
so right. so then so we've got some Chinese done this week and then towards the end of the podcast we'll talk about next week and we can actually yep. delve into um your thoughts on the quality of those um those QRF mm. guys and because it yep. looked like there was a big old a big old packet of them yeah it, it was a very healthy lockdown special did you manage to get to the door before your better half to to see the, the heft of the package so i know to speak? It, it had gone through the um the miniature governance and uh, procurement uh, departments and was fully authorized right okay well i suppose lockdown is is the one excuse where we could all do that isn't it i'm just supporting local economies okay all right no, that's reasonable it looks like you're supporting some some scottish economy with um with a glass of something there as well yep yeah i've got a, a, a glass of uh glenn farkless whiskey well, I'm, I'm, hopefully, if you're careful about how you say that, we can avoid having to press the profane content button, but, um, which I think I think limits the people who are allowed to listen to the podcast a little. Some people can filter it out, but I don't think they can filter it out for quality and interest. So it, it will still get through to someone. Um, so, so going around the screen again, then, um, Andy, um, what's what's your one word of the week? Is it is it Huskars this week, or is it something else? Well, it's uh, two words basically: Anglo and Danes. Here's Anglo-Danes. here's. here's Here's some I made earlier in Best Blue Peter fashion mm. as a command base and a bunch of Huskarls. Okay, so that, that command base looks like he's got a pretty big old kind of windsock fish type standard yeah. thing going on there. That's right, yeah. So is that, two, is two that one piece on one piece casting or is that sort of drilled hands and stuff like that? No, no, on? no, just, no, just one piece casting from uh, War Empire. Okay, all right, they're looking suitably, suitably dark age. And, and how many of those have you tuned through this week? Well, I've done uh, six bases at three units of these Huskars, so they're now finished, and one command base. So I'm now on to the um, uh, unarmoured feared, which I'm in a case of state of non-preparedness. I've got two packs, which is about 50 figures, and they're kind of various poses. So I thought best do them all together so I can kind of mix and match the colours and you know the poses on each base so they don't end up looking either too uniform or too completely random. Okay, and, and are you just going to sort of cram, because they're, they're heavy infantry, aren't they? So are you just going to do the same thing as you did before with two single ranks to mix them, or is this just a lump of spearmen and, and cram no, this, all together? No, this, this, is just a, this is just lumps of spearmen. So uh, um, what I might do is I might do some of them single base so that I can... I've got, I've got, I've got one uh, packet of heavy spearmen, so depending on how many armoured spearmen units I want, I can either make them into six by hiding these guys in the second rank or you know can, can basically afford everybody to be a, a, an unarmored feared i could hide the heavy spearmen and the the armored blokes at the back and put these in front okay so you could actually mix them up then and have some some of those units more armored and some not yeah yeah okay because yeah. i was saying with spearmen actually once you start getting to your adlg mindset you can probably get away with depends how wide they are sort of at least seven or maybe sometimes even six on a heavy infantry base, and it still looks quite solid. Or are you going yeah. to try and squeeze out the full eight? Or I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's try and do that. Okay, then. All right. Um, and then Adam, your um special guest, you're you're up next. What's what's been happening in painting world of Adam this week? Um, <clears throat> something slightly different rather than toy soldiers. I've been painting um teeny tiny ships. Teeny tiny ships. Um, Is this black sails or? No, no, else. it's um, Alan's old ironclad games. I've had them knocking around for a while, and I'm slowly getting through my backlog. So um, I've had four ships on the table, which I've painted. The painting's relatively simple. What makes it the the annoying, complicated thing is doing the rigging. Right. And, what, uh, and what scale? Well, you know, because we, I think all us central Londoners know 
um, Alan's Ironclads game. I think it's actually its official title for the, the unpublished version is Alan's Ironclads game. Um, but what, what tell everybody about it. What actually is it? How does it work? Well, each individual ship model, it's, the scale is um, one, tw it's 1,200 to one. So each individual ship model, a couple of inches. Um, the Warrior's very big model, it might be up to four inches, so it's two to four inches. Um, and each, each ship model's a unit. Yeah. Um, and you give, you give um, orders to the units, and they sail around and shoot at each other, and um, usually fail to do any damage. It's quite right. a long game. Okay. So are, these, are these mid-19th century ones? Yeah. So from 1860 up to about 1890. Yeah. Right. So as a standard design in those days. It was all very experimental and with well, rams and rifle guns and all sorts. That's the reason why, as a game in a period of naval history, it's quite interesting. Because before that and after it, everybody knew what a proper warship looked like. So all warships looked kind of like the same. Whereas for that 40 years or so, no one was quite sure. So they were like, We'll put a turret here, and we'll put a yeah. ram there, and we'll put a broadside, and they didn't know, so it's all a bit, all a bit crazy. No. But they're still, most of them are still fully sailed, so it's doing the rigging, doing the little cotton ropes from one mast to another. That's, yeah. that's oh. the challenging bit. My God, yes, so, how, but, so how, how yeah. do you go about doing that? Because I've, I've got the that box of the starter set of black sails that is somewhere down the painting queue. And, and I've looked online and there's various ways of doing the rigging, which basically boils down to if you're a bit lazy, you use the pre-printed acetate sheet and just stick it on and squint. And if you're doing it properly, you buy like weird fret boards that, that you can do some sort of crochet thing with and, and then glue them on. Well, that's like, cause that you're talking about the right lines, the sort of like, yeah, the right lines, the one seven hundred. Yeah. Um, that's, you can just sort of cut them out and glue them on, which I don't actually yeah. bother. The rigging is the ropes from the ships and from to the mast and from the mast to mast. That's actually worth doing because it does make the model stronger. Ah, so okay. It helps, it helps it together. So there's um, Langton. So designed to keep the mast up. Yeah. Langton, um, which is a company that does very beautiful Napoleonic models. They've done a book of how to paint ships. And there's a few paging, pages in there of how to put rigging on. So what I do is I sit there with that open, trying to follow it, uh, swearing quite a lot, and um, so slowly, slowly, slowly sort of like get it together. And so, so is it just basic cotton or is, is there a rigging colour scheme? Is it varied it's, by nation? How geeky does this get? Well, it can get very geeky. It's like they also sell special cotton thread, which I think is thinner than the actual cotton thread. So I've got some of that because it makes it easier. Um, and in the book, it's like standing rigging, which is a rigging that doesn't move, is black, and running rigging that you put up and down sails is brown. Now, I'm just doing the standing rigging because, like, that's hard enough as it is. <laughs> so I'm just sort of, like, doing that and doing it sort of, like, um, as, as well as I can. And it's um, – I've got a, a pinvoice drill bit, and the drill, drill bit I've got to use is 0.5 millimetres thick. This is how sort of, like um, – Yes, but um, and how, how many drill, how many drill bits do you break per ship? Um, on average, about one every couple of ships. Right, I, yeah. I did buy quite a few the last time I right. found a shop that sold them. Um, so, so is this like real life um, shipbuilding, and it takes about three years to do one? Well, it's like the painting's not too bad because it's like I'm going with the paint them to get them on the table theory because I yeah. don't know if you've ever seen people that do this size of ship really, really well. Um, and it's astounding. 
the technical brilliance that some people can do of painting these models. Now, mm. I'm nowhere near that. I'm painting to get them on the table. So the painting's not too bad. And the rigging, I'm sort of like doing one an evening. It might take me between one and two hours. But, but Adam, what, what's the basing like when you have to go and put it in the bottle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that would be a good one. And, and what are you drinking as well then? That looks like a... Oh, the other thing, I, what I'm drinking is, um, I'm drinking... Um, Rob, bass for two reasons. Firstly, because it always makes bass. me think of wow. Coopers. Yeah. yeah. Coopers and Burton. And because it's a pound a bottle from Asda and it's a decent beer. That's a very you, good result. You, you had me at a pound a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> but more <laughs> importantly with the painting, as well as painting that, um, I've, I've been teaching my children to paint. Okay. Because um, they're having to homeschool. So I've got a box of Perry's Medieval French and um, they're sticking them together and gluing them together because as you haven't got children you pr probably don't realize this tim but the english national curriculum doesn't have toy soldier painting on it at all no which oh. is which is shocking i know I so that before the election yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it which does I... have 3d printing to make ah, the terrain. well <laughs> well that's it so there's a crossover moment coming then for education that could be it. So how, how are they doing? Have they got a particular livery they fancy? or um... Um, they're, they're being somewhat creative with their colour, which is, I'm pointing like blue, green, sort of like keeping it together and the leather's leather and the metal's metal. Um, but they're enjoying it. They're making it look good. And we're just doing the white undercoat, blocking it out, doing a dip. So, okay. How old are your kids, Adam? Um, the girls eight. I should know this, shouldn't I? The girls eight. You do know this. I'll edit this out. It's fine. <laughs> Or, or we'll just hope your wife is never going to listen to all the way through this. It's fine. And the boys 11. So they're still at the um, learning to keep your hands steady stage, which is absolutely fine. Which is beyond many of us, really, I think, still, <laughs> even now. <laughs> this means war. So Tamsin, I th by the looks of it, you've been also probably to a slightly marginally higher standard, I'm suspecting, um, doing some peri-mounted peri figures, which you've got as your Zoom background as well. Um, so how's, uh, well, I'm, I was going to say, are they finished, which I can clearly see in front of me. But what, what's been your kind of learnings of the week of, of finishing the mounted figures and getting them on the horses? Um, well, as you say, so from, the same, from the same background, that's first 12 of the mounted finished. I've got another 12, almost finished, just need to do the flocking on the bases. That'll, that'll be tomorrow morning. And I've got the last batch of riders, good way through painting them, should finish those tomorrow. And then it'll be another day, a few, couple more days for basing. And how, um, did, you know, how did you find those, those Perry riders? Because I, I think I've, I've got some and I think the ones in armour are kind of good, but I don't know whether how much filling. Sometimes there's a little tiny bit of filling around the, the bits where the arms join on, or stuff like that. And I'm never, I'm never quite sure whether that's me filling something that doesn't need to be filled, or whether they just need a, a teeny tiny bit of it just sometimes because I'm bad at gluing the stuff together. Um, I didn't, I didn't do any filling, okay. and that shows on a couple of bits. I looking at the horses in that that info, so I should really have filled and sanded 
sort of the same line on the rump of the horses. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't show particularly. It doesn't, isn't that, ob- isn't as too obvious. So. Yeah, I, I think they, they do go, because I think the thing with the Perrys, they have designed the arms and the sort of shouldery bits with different bits of armour so that the, the seam line is sort of part of the way the figure yeah. works quite the pauldron, well. The pauldron certainly cover most of the gaps. Right, so yeah. you don't really need to fill too much there. Yeah. Okay. And have you done any of the barded horses then as well, the armoured ones from that pack? Uh, yeah, that next? second. Oh, right. That's next up as well. Oh, running away into the background um, and, and picking up something from a wall of Perry horses. And here we go. Yep. There's the barded. That with that range of European horse colours that we discussed in um, discussed the other week as well, all ready to go. So has there been anything else that's kind of snuck onto the, the paint table that, that's gotten you know, a bit of a side project this week? Or... Not this week. Uh, basically, got so close to the end that just said, no, ignore anything else. Yeah, just nail it. Just plough through. Okay, all right. And what are you drinking this week? Um, uh, Talisker Sky. Talisker Sky. Is that very peaty? Yes, it is quite. It, well, like all Sky, sky malts, it's quite peaty. I'm, you know, I, I'm talking about that with um, just using the word peaty because I know that is sometimes applied yeah. to whiskey, really. So got peaty, smoky flavour on it. It's not as it's not quite as much on that way as the Task Storm. Okay. Ah, so sky as in the sky, as in as opposed to sky the island. No, no sky as in sky as in not sky as in the island, but you get sky and storm. Okay, and storm and is another island. I think there are others. I think there are a yes, couple there's storms of daily weather there. Okay, and then there's Storm the Away. Summer. No, that's something else. Oh, well, before we go down that rabbit hole, um, Dave, you let me guess. You look like from that, you know, fixed, almost pained expression um, that um, you've got some samurai being done. No, 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 no. no camels. No. My God, it's not samurai. So the samurai needed more back banners, and um, Fighting 15s have got them in the post, so I'm just waiting for them to arrive. Um, so I've gone on to your side project. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing War and Empire, Forged in Battle, whatever you want to call them, camels. So there's okay. one, two, three, six bases of camels. Wow. wow. So it's, it's a bit of a completing the camel core, if you know what I mean. Don't get slaughtered by the zeros. <laughs> so there's three bases of camel bow and three bases of camel spear impetuous i suppose they'll be and a couple of bases of light camels um basing like that what's this different so with camels because i've obviously we've all got a few camels but one of the challenges i've always found with them is how do you choose the colors for camels um you know do you do them all the same kind of beigey or do you go for different eclectic colors and i i think i had a big set of lancashire games camels that i did all sorts of weird browns and, and quite different. And I'm not convinced it actually looked, looked right. It's a bit like that thing about most elephants are sort of dirty brown, but you want to paint them grey, because if you don't paint them grey, they look weird. I, what, I, what have you done with camel colours? Where have you gone with that? So I've gone, I've, I've painted them green, um, green ochre, which green is ochre. a standard colour. Yeah, green ochre. So it's, it's not exactly uh, desert yellow or anything like that. So it's, it's, I don't know, green ochre. I've got it here. Where is it? Hold on a minute. Yeah, so it's it's uh, basically green ochre. So it's a sort of it's a bit it's about sandy brown basically. Yeah, but it's a bit darker, and then it's a bit of orange. That is, I've I've actually inked. Is that, is that a Vallejo colour? Vallejo, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Or Black Hog, whatever. So it's Vallejo, here we go. It's Vallejo, number... God, doesn't even say. 119. 119. I've got a whole load of different sands and things because I was painting up some um, Sudan British a few years, a couple last year okay. for, um, for a game for that, uh, the men who would be king. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so these have been grey ochre and then they've been inked brown. Okay. Hope Dharma's dark brown and then I've painted back over with the, a green ochre or maybe something slightly paler to give it a bit of depth. Yep. You know, if they've got beers and that. But no, they, they're all the same colour. Right. I, I did think about going for different yeah. colours, but I thought that's getting really complicated. But yeah. um, sprayed in black and then I sort of sort of like done quite a thick, not really dry brush, but I've, I've done white um, jalabas, coats or whatever over mm-hmm. the top, leaving some black underneath, which pulls out the detail. So they look, they look good. They look okay. Good. So it's what it's, it's a, a kind of a bit of a quicker style than doing the samurai then. Yeah. A lot quicker yeah. than doing yeah. the samurai. Okay. And then Peter, um, um, you're, Oh, sorry. No, no. I've, I've almost missed Dave's booze conversation. And he's waving some wheelie juice. Wheeze the juice. It's the beer 52 thing again. Wheeze juice. Wheeze the juice. Wheeze the juice. They, they brought a load over from America. Okay. It's imported to the UK by beer 52. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it, might, it might be sat in the box that I've got downstairs. It's, um, yeah. yeah. By the way, we, we do actually both pay for this. Nobody's sending us any free stuff for this <laughs> whatsoever. We we do, I don't know. It'd be lovely if they did, but but we could keep bagging on about stuff. But no, no, nothing. No, nobody's actually listened to this and sent us anything whatsoever, um, which is a minor detail. So, what's the wheeze juice then? Wee juice. They're all American this week. Yeah. Month. <laughs> this month. Okay. Yeah. Not, yep. not this day. Right. It's Obviously, quite strong then. Yeah. Well, they all are, aren't they? So this is. I don't know. This is six point two. I think. So I'm giggling already. Yeah, um, it's all right. It says uh, juicy IPA, double dry hops for maximum flavour with mandarina, Bavaria, Eldorado, and Cascade hops. Right, I think I've seen that army list, but um, but yeah. I don't think the troops quite work together properly, do they? Um, so so Peter, um, you you were doing Austrians. I think last week you'd sprayed everything white, and then I presume are they all done now? All eight million of them? Uh, yeah, all eight million of like. 100 plus infantry and um, 20 odd plus horses. So finally finished them off, used the long weekend to finish off the basing, had a uh, nice um, finishing off of that. So that was Sunday morning, nice and relaxing, get them all done. And now I'm moving on to the Austrians that have a little bit more color, such as the grenadiers and things like that, Hungarian grenadiers with blue trousers. I get to use more colors. And, and uh, you know, as it always seems the um, traditional question on um, anything to do with Napoleonic, base sizes, number of figures per base, um, and then we can all disagree with you. Just because uh, it's yes, the form, absolutely. just the standard. Well, yeah. um, because the Austrians end up doing large units very quickly, um, it was starting to get r- ridiculous because I've got AB uh, miniatures. Um, so I've gone for the 40 uh, mil frontage, but instead of doing the 8 um for the four, 40 by 30 i've done uh, six on it okay because um, it seems to work quite nicely um so i've kept the three cavalry on uh for those bases because they work quite nicely but the uh i think it works quite nicely i know other people are saying it should be four and this and the other but yeah uh, works okay 
Well, I suppose if you pay for AB, you want to be able to see them all the way around, really, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, absolutely. Otherwise, otherwise, it's kind of a waste of the cash. Okay. Absolutely. And, and has there been any sneaky side projects this week or have just the Austrians consumed you with their sheer numbers? I just wanted to plough through and actually get the units finished. So they'd been sat there staring at me. So now they've been um, varnished twice. They've got the basing done and flocked and everything else. It's just nice to complete something, that sense of completion of uh, actually finishing something off and even while we're still locked away. And then you can do the other half of it next week. And then I've ordered a load more. Oh, even better. Fantastic. So that's good for Ian at Fighting 15s then, isn't it? That's One of my favorite facts about the, the Napoleonic Army, uh, Napoleonic Austrian Army, is in 1809, when Napoleon was busy elsewhere, the Austrians invaded Bavaria and tried to catch the French army there by surprise. And some of their troops were marching on the north bank of the Danube instead of the south. And um, it took that corps six, seven days to cover 63 miles when they were advancing. When they were retreating, it took them two days. <laughs> okay, so, so the table's got a bit of a slope on it then, quite possibly. Very well motivated. Motivated, okay, all right. I think I've, I've had another bizarrely eclectic week, and, um, but before I do, I'd better crack open. I've, this time I've got inhaler, hoppy pale ale from Magic Rock in, in, in glamorous Huddersfield. So this isn't quite one of the American ones. Um, it's kind of one of those pale ales that in the way of modern kind of beers, it, it is still slightly cloudy. It looks okay when you're pouring it out, but it ends up with a little bit of crunchy stuff at the bottom. But, but I ended up liking this one and actually buying more than just the standard six that it provides for you. I would say the standard free, um, set that come at random. I, I bought these myself. So here we go. Oh, yeah, that is price in the hoppy. That's pretty decent. But, but I've done another bizarrely eclectic week. So, so what have I done? I, I did um, finished up yet another... 28 mil gnome which i have to thank andy for for possibly you know and we could probably have a vote on this possibly the first actual acceptable non-grown worthy pun that andy has ever wheeled out which is a, a, a miracle and it's a gnome wall jackson a a small um american civil war gnome in gray uniform which doesn't quite show with this video background so if you start eclectic with a 28 mil gnome that's quite straightforward um, just done with a black undercoat and um, then grey and then some of the real dark wash over it to give it some depth. And then I also painted up, um, or didn't paint up as such, an island um, with a lighthouse. A an island with a lighthouse. So I think I got this in uh, that enormous sort of six mil collection of modern stuff that you may have seen go on eBay that me and my brother used to have when we were both in short trousers. Um, and he ended up collecting loads of odds and sods of buildings and things. So there's this lighthouse, which is an ornament from Cape Cod with a lighthouse and two houses either side of it. So this presumably is a famous lighthouse in Cape Cod in, in Massachusetts. So rather than chuck it away, it looked about the right scale. So I mounted it on a tiny, well, about a four, three or four inch bit of MDF um, and built it up and put some sand on it. So, so it's going to be an island for when I end up doing um, these sort of black seas ships that I've got the box set that I've not even opened yet and, and not really looked at um, and then I also ended up trying to work out what the next painting project would be and not really wanting to dive into anything too substantial so I, I opened the packet of um, not two dragons a blue moon 
Swiss pikeman that I picked up in from Old Glory in the States when I was out at, at Cold Wars just before lockdown started. So I got one of their bags, which has got um, 12, 24, 30 figures in. Um, so I managed to eat that into two 12-man pike blocks and a six-man halberdier unit um, because I was kind of one pike block short and one halberdier short in my 15 mil Swiss. But but these Blue Moon guys are they're really nice. They're really clean figures, um, but but they're not. Um, I tell you, they're almost sort of too clean, and they are very definitely 18 mil. You know, they advertise themselves as 18 mil, and they're they're very definitely 18 mil. They're a lot. Um, they're a lot bigger than the 15s from Merliton and and the 15s from from QRF as well. So, um, and they've all got, um, well, nearly all got flat sort of beret type caps. So when you paint them up from above, it looks like you're you're kind of looking into a, a packet of M and M's or something like that <laughs> with different with different hats. Whereas the other ones have got more sort of helmets and things. And um, and in an experiment, um, which I think was more just an experiment than anything scientific, I used some plastic rod to do the pikes instead of trying to do it with metal ones. So I I got some 0.8 mil polystyrene round rod. Um, for you know two quid or something off off eBay from I presume it's a model railway thing and, and cut that down the theory being sort of twofold first of all it makes them slightly bendy um, which means that you're less likely well they're not as sharp as steel ones so you're not going to impale yourself it makes them slightly bendy so in theory they can flex a bit before they break or, or ping out the guy's hands um, and then I also found a something again online on, on a website about how to put um, points onto the end of them. So because the rod is so plasticky, you can squeeze the end of it flat in a pair of pliers with, as long as the pliers have got flat inner faces um, and it sort of squishes out the end of the rod a little bit such that you can then get a craft knife and trim it into a point. So you, you almost get an actual pike point effect rather than the brass rod that I was using just ended up with like the, the pole had an end and the end of the pole was silver. I've done with <clears throat> brass rod. Um, if you hit it with a hammer to flatten it out and then mm. you can file it to a point. So it's possible yeah. to do something no, I, similar. That's, that is something, but I'm just too bloody lazy to do the filing. I think was the it's also got the advantage though of it is quite painful if you accidentally lean on them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is again, not a problem for these, but but I have a suspicion that the 0.8 mil rod, it looks kind of, it looks about right. Um, it would look great if it was wire, but I think it might be too thin for the plastic because I've had already had one of them actually snap. Um, so they bend up to a point, but the point at which they're glued into the guy's hands, they've sort of snapped. And, and the other thing you can't really do with it is, is with wire, when you've, I guess with pipemen, you've got the lower hand that's normally the, the pole sort of pushes through. So the pike butts onto the floor, but you've normally got to push a metal pole through the lower hand and then it sort of sits in the upper one. And with the plastic rod, you obviously can't do that. It's just not strong enough to, to force open a, a hole that's, that's already there. And they're a bit of a bugger to, to drill. So, you know, they're, these guys are all holding the pikes with, with the butt of the pike in their lower hand. Um, so, you know, they look, they look fine. I'm happy with them and, and I've done them with black lining as well. But because they're big, simple figures, and, and all my other Swiss were black lined, so I black lined these, 
so with the colors they look a bit like um is it a mondrian painting that one where it's just a big blocks of color these look really really um, is that going to show possibly they look really really uh, big there with that sort of color color effect on it um so that's a, a partial success but I, at least i can claim to have done some some modeling and, and crafting with that and then then i just didn't finish off the the french i finished off a couple of weeks ago but i uploaded them onto onto the website this weekend as well and so i, I claim the credit for doing some painting that i actually finished a couple of weeks ago but but posted pictures of those 10 mil napoleonics onto quite a lot of places so so it's been another random eclectic -y week and then oh one more thing i i did three shields of dark age cavalry the ones that i'd done last week and and then realized I hadn't put shields on them. Um, so they were all riding their horses with one hand kind of waving in the air. Um, and the other one holding the sheet, holding the spear. So, so I did those as well. So three and shields. And you gave Peggy a nose job. Exactly. Three shields, a gnome um, from the American Civil War, 30, 15 mil so, pikemen and an island. So basically what you're telling us, Tim, is what you really need to do is buy another army. Because oh. you're doing all this eclectic stuff. You need to do another army. It's a nightmare. It's like posted, so posting which all this. Which Napoleonic army are you going to pick? Exactly. And, you know, all, I've, I've sort of posted. Ransom.org. No, <laughs> there isn't that many, though, is there? It's, um, but I, I, post, um, I post links to the, the French onto a number of different websites. And I think at some point, you know, somebody has replied to all of those threads going, when are you going to do the next army? And I'm going, uh, well, I'm at some point, but I'm trying to pretend to myself I'm not. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just a cry for help when you're doing all these eclectic ones. You and just Pendragon, know. And Pendragon brought out some up. new Peninsula War Ranges literally last week, and it was like oh, no, just in time. So, so I'm pretending I'm not going to buy another 10 mil French army, but <laughs> or sorry, another 10 mil Napoleonic army just yet. But I'll I'll kind of come to that a bit later when we talk about some other stuff. So. This means war. Okay then, and we're now into the Art de la Guerre list building part of the podcast. Um, I think, um, I will, I'll endeavour to work out how long this bit does and, and add in a bit in case this is not your bag and so you can skip to the end of it and, and miss this bit out if you wish. Yes indeed, we did end up talking for quite a while about the Carthaginians. It's a very complex list, a lot of options and an interesting discussion, but if ADLG is not your thing, um, feel free to skip forward to about 1 minute 25 in this podcast, and then we'll be back with a normal rubbish. This is um, our first list. Well, this last week, we ended up with random.org pulling out a really classic, kind of interesting list, Hannibal's Carthaginians. There's two Carthaginian lists in the Art of the Guerre book, number 54 and number 55, and, and this one is the proper Hannibal plus five command, which is big command values for, for Art of the Guerre. You can have a strategist, to, which is obviously Hannibal, to, to do that a bit more. And this is the army of the, um, the crossing of the Alps, the fighting against Rome, and, and ultimately the, um, the defeat in North Africa by Scipio. So there's actually quite a lot of almost, I guess, historical precedent and background to this list. And there's several different theatres of war. Um, with with different troop types in it, so so random.org I think has definitely done us all a favour by picking picking a list that that potentially can be built in a lot of different ways. So uh, we're going to kind of run through, and I think we've got an extra 
special guest list as well um, that, that Dave's actually going to chip in with with two. So, but I think we'll start with Peter's, which we've we've got up on the screen share here. So, so Peter, talk us through your the elements in this list. You know, the how the initiative works, how the command works, and and what you see each of these commands actually doing on table. Right. Well, what I've done is um, tried to do something a little bit different. Um, with the three commands, the way I've based it around is I've got two cavalry commands. Uh, one which has got the couple of elite heavy cavalry and two elite light cavalry javelins. So they're the ability to overwhelm one wing. That, that's the aim of them. Either suck up a lot more troops in comparison to them or go in hit hard and overwhelm the wing i've included and the commander and sorry you're, you're seeing those almost operating together then um what the two yeah the cavalry yeah. And the, the heavy cavalry and the light cavalry javelin um okay. that one command yes um i've got another wing which is light cavalry javelin and two medium cavalry which uh basically i've got a ordinary included unreliable general so that's either going to be um, slowing someone down just by having a cloud of four light cavalry javelin or using it on a flank attack, depending on what the terrain is. Yeah, because so, six, six gets you quite wide, doesn't it? You can actually almost outflank a command on table with six six troops. Yeah, absolutely. So it just depends on um, ha have they tried to restrict down the table, you know, with the C and everything else. If they've done that, then I might use it as a flank. Um, but Actually, just, sorry, just, just thinking wide. before we before we kind of count, I think with all of these lists, um, and it, it's a question that I, I got online during the week. I think there's an implicit assumption that all of these lists are largely fighting in period um, with with when we're building together, because you can go down a bit of a rabbit hole of you know, have I got an answer to knights and, and things like that. But but I suspect all of the lists there's there's an implicit assumption that they're fighting broadly historical enemies certainly if it's an early army like this they're not getting into the the period when there's knights and, and other stuff in the middle ages but yeah sorry car carry on peter talk carry on telling us how these two work in in period well so because of that and because of the cavalry that they'll be up against which is mostly sort of heavy cavalry or medium cavalry there's not a lot of um you know impact bow uh in there so they've actually got a good chance of going up against them especially with all the javelin and then going on to um You've got those two covering the wings either which way. Uh, because you've got the numbers built up there, we end up with 29 units. Because the central command, I've got a strategist. I've got a strategist. I've got the heavy swordsman impetuous. So you've got six of those going forward. You've got a couple of African spearmen, heavy spearmen. So I can mix those up uh, a little bit. And then I've got a couple of medium swordsman impact. So that depends on what the terrain is in front. So either I have the medium swordsman impact on the wings or I have it, it's going to go through some terrain. The key thing though, and this is the hidden bit, is that um, people won't take seriously all the light infantry. But with this list, you can have elite light infantry. So I've got six light infantry javelin elite. I've got um, three slingers elite. And so I can have that cloud coming up and because of the strategist, I can actually hold back the heavy swordsman impetuous, have the light infantry go forward, wipe out their light infantry, because it's going to overwhelm and take over someone else. And if someone puts down mountains, then fantastic, even better. Um, but basically what I'm trying to do is force their heavy swordsman 
or their medium swordsman to come to me. Because I'm impetuous, the rules are if I go in against swordsman, I don't get my impetuous, but if they charge me, I do get my impetuous. And by having all these light infantry in front, there's not going to be a lot of troops that are armoured. And with them being elite light infantry, you can actually angle them and everything else. So it's almost like a whole line of bowmen in front shooting at the opposition. All I need to chip them down is uh, one each. And that's going to be a massive difference when they finally come in. I must admit, I've never seen that many light infantry in a, in a single command. That's really, really wild, isn't it? And in fact, would you, just looking at that, um, would you have been tempted to go maybe for the, the fourth slinger and, and go down to five? Light tree javelin because because then that would give you a smidge more ranged shooting to try and ping away at people. And I guess five light tree is still going to be better than most other people's. Yeah, that would, that would work. It, I, I was thinking about it. I, I, it actually is a list I fancy trying out because um, I just fancy that when you put that on the table, they usually dismiss the the light infantry just as a um, you know an hors d'oeuvre in between the fighting, but. Once you've taken out their light infantry and you're actually using your strategist to hold back your impetuous troops and are constantly chipping away, uh, the frustration will either force them to attack you or um, you're there just forcing them to take the hits and take the hits. And hopefully by that point, I've had my heavy cavalry, a uh, couple of elite heavy cavalry with the light javelins come around or the... Uh, on the other wing, the four light cavalry javelin with the medium cavalry has either frustrated or done the flanking to really start chipping and taking people down. Yeah, so with, with that's what I'm meaning to do. Yeah, with 29 units in the army, actually you, you can lose every single bit of non-light, can't you? You know, Presuming all yep. the lights don't get injured. You've got, you've got 15 light infantry and light horse, and you've only got 14 combat troops as such. So yeah. that is new. And, and you avoided the temptation of the elephant then? uh yeah it was mediocre so yeah. it was like um uh, it was just it would just be a target practice um yeah. so uh, if someone does bring on elephants which people are tempted in this period as well i have got an absolute bucket load of javelins so the other thing the other temptation with this list is uh, the terrain in this is plain but some of the armies you're up against so you can attack them in the mountains for instance and this list would be fantastic in that because then, um, especially if they've got elephants, you can dismount the light cavalry to be javelin as well. So you can actually have a cloud of light infantry uh, javelin to really frustrate and upset someone. Yeah, that aggression of four is going to give you a lot of control over terrain, isn't it? Huge yeah. So wow. You can really you know, force what the terrain is, how it breaks out, uh, and then depending on who you're up against, uh, really take advantage of the strengths of the army. Any um, any comments from the gallery on what on what's kind of an unusual army? Um, Dave, are you? I'd say something here because it's actually really close to Tommy's list, which I thought was unusual as well. Because Tommy's list has got. We'll, we'll bring. We'll come into Tommy's list after yeah. this. Then let's do but that. But yeah, exactly. Because he's got a list which I was surprised at because it's got a huge number of light foot and light horse, and. Yeah, Tommy's list comes in at 27, which is very similar in size. Um, he's gone for the elephant. Let's, let's pop. Let's yeah. see if I can pop that one up on screen then. Um, where was that one? Um, is it this one? Um, possibly. Um, does this look like the one with uh, all the... No, that's, yes, that's got a lot of sling. No. That's got 27. That's is that yours? Um, 
I think that one's mine. Is that the one? Uh, well, the no, previous one in 27, Tim, so maybe that's it. I think it's this one, isn't it? 27, yeah. It's yeah, this sorry, one. that's the one. Apologies. Okay. Yes, that's the wow, one. okay. So he's got the elephant. I mean, the difference there is he's got the elephants. Yep. Um, which is kind of opposed to um, Pete's six impetuous guys. Um, so he's got elephants and impetuous swordsmen in a big group with his and he's got four spearmen. I think he's got he's actually a bit heavier on the actual combat troops. And the ally he's got has got another elephant. Um, the thing I found interesting was he's got lots of light horse and he's got lots of elite light foot. Yeah, that's the same thing, going big on the elite light foot. So this one's yeah. got so just looking at this one, um, so if we compare it to Peter's. Your first command, Peter, had the heavy cavalry and two light horse. This is a pure light horse skirmishing command. This is just three light horse. So it, this is the first command here is probably closer to your third command. Um, you had two mediums, four lights. This is just three lights. So that's a a pure, um, you know, delaying command, quite quite small. So I'm expecting something like that. So that's why I'd want to sort of oh, either of those are going to overwhelm the normal sort of like just a couple of light horse. Yeah, you're you're. Yeah, that, so your, your commands are to beat a command like this. Then the other flank command, where you had, I guess, two heavy cavalry and, and two light horse, this mm -hmm. has got four light horse, which is two of them elite, which is pretty pokey again, and then a, a javelinman Death Star with, yeah. um, with the mediocre elephant and two javelinmen. So that's... That'd be an interesting matchup for your two heavy cavalry or your two mediums, wouldn't it? That it, one? it would, especially with the elephant in there. So uh, either it's just a hold-off one, because it the the heavy cavalry is an impact so you can keep evading true and i'd have two elite javelin anyway so it's either you evade and then have from the the center command a couple of javelin peel off um or keep them on the elephants in the in the central one but um either way i'm going to overwhelm one one wing and hold off on the other one yeah i, I suppose with as opposed to this one where that elephant um, you know, Javelin and Death Star on the flank command can can actually go into infantry because both of your flank yeah. commands were were very much go around the sides, whereas this one can go into it. But the, the flip side, it, it doesn't have the cavalry thing. So, so in the middle here, whereas you had the six impetuous heavy swordsmen and the two spearmen, really, and then then a couple of mediums as well, this has gone for a for a mega Death Star. Um, I guess is is three of the elephants, um, three impetuous Gauls. Um, so that is absolutely going forwards, isn't it? That's that's rolling six wide of stuff. And it's got people. a crowd of elite light foot to protect the elephant, the mediocre elephants. Yeah, there's six of them, isn't there? There's six yeah, light foot in front of it. Light foot dies. There's plenty more light foot in there. To, yeah. I mean, those, those elephants are going to get into anything hmm. without being damaged. And then the block of four spearmen in, in the rest of that command. So, so looking at this, this is... You've got a mega Death Star, three elephants, three ghouls, big screen of light foot. And then you've got almost a separate command of four heavy spearmen. Yeah, and strategist to control it all. Because Tommy's done the, well, my viewers a smart thing with the light infantry, this, this one's going to be hard because, as you say, the elephants are going to get in there and probably undamaged. It'd be hard to actually shift them because uh, he's got going to end up similar number of light infantry as I have. Actually, you could even with this one, you could peel a couple of the spearmen off and use them to support that cavalry wing. Because, you know, if, if you're skirmishing with the light horse and you stick a couple of spearmen there, the strategists can drive them out, drive them over to the wing. 
and that's going to slow down and neutralize someone else's light horse as well while this this mega death star and, and four elephants in the army with, with i guess that must be a numidian ally at the end just yeah. kind of barrels into people wow okay but, but the problem i have with the elephants though with them being mediocre if you do get in to shoot at them it's you know uh, they're going to get shot no def- definitely but i think with six six elite light infantry in front of them that's probably that's probably a reasonable solution two or three you can sacrifice of his elite light foot that's not going to happen yeah it's going to take him a long time to die and there's not much bow fire in this period i guess but but it's an interesting similar thing with a lot you know that choice of a lot of them and this is 27 and you've got what um six light foot three seven um light horse. so you've got nearly half the army is lights in this one as well so, and you've got an initiative of five, which means you're definitely going to win the um, terrain. <laughs> yeah, that's and choose to attack into the opponent's terrain. No, that's the thing. That's okay. the problems with the can I ask Pete? Can I, can I ask Pete a question on his army? Yeah, let's go back. Flip back to Pete's. Yeah, um, Pete, because it's you've spent an awful lot of point on the skirmishes, and even the cavalry is fairly unpoky cavalry. And I, I get the theory about getting the hits in before the fight happens, but do you think your actual fighting battle troops, they're just big enough and wide enough when push comes to shove to sort of like stand in line and take it? Because they might be in trouble of just being outflanked on either side and being beaten up in the actual real fight. Um, you see, I was thinking about that, um, and it's a very good point, but you've still got six seven eight ten it's still ten wide of actual front line troops so normally that's pretty good for most things and because i i decided to go for the heavy swordsman as opposed to the medium so it sort of wards off any sort of cavalry just coming in for the easy hits against the mediums um, i understand what you meant I, I i went back and forth i did actually have four spin at one point and less the lights but i thought i'd step it up It'd be interesting to try it. It's just from some of the games I've played, if you go too wide, then you end up being restricted by heavies by the actual throwing itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose there's still, you know, that, that middle command with the strategist, it's one of those classic commands that is two. So you've got six heavy swordsmen impetuous, which is a decent sized command. And then you've got two spearmen and two medium sword impact as well, which is not bad in its own right. And, and you ally that with either of the cavalry, you've got yeah. two blocks of six. Um, but yeah, I it think does... it's gonna it's, it's gonna boil down to you know as you're saying, Adam, it's, it's gonna boil down to can I have two commands going in and the third command just holding someone off, and yeah. that's what I'm expecting one of the commands to do that. If I can hold off, like to, if Tommy's turning up with uh, elephants in one command, is that one I'm going to be holding off, and I get to overwhelm the other one, and I get my two commands, the strategist and the wing one coming in. Um, you know, perhaps that's how it works. It'd be interesting to try it out. I'm just yeah. not sure on the shooty stuff. That's the thing that either it's going to win it and they won't be turning up with that much life infantry or it's like Tommy turns up and that sort of like uh, idea that Brian gets neutered. Yeah, no, I, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting one. I think both these lists really use the strategist well because they're using those extra points to command a lot of, an awful lot of stuff, which I guess you need to do.
Adam, you know, what, what about your list? Um, talk us through your list, what the, the three commands are and what each of them does. Okay, I've gone for a different thing to Pete. Um, but one thing I think Pete's done well, and because and one thing I thought was with Carthaginian, it's very easy to have an army of lots of bits, a bit of this, a yeah. bit of that, a bit of that, and you end up with nothing much. So where he went with all the shooting type stuff, I see that theory, but I went with another idea. So I went with Hannibal because you've got to have Hannibal. You've got to have Hannibal. Yeah, that's mandatory, isn't it, really? That's kind of the point. So I went with Hannibal's command. I had the full um, African spear, which armoured an elite. Mm. Um, I had two um, Italian companions, heavy swords, um, impacts, armoured, um, and two Spanish Qatari medium impacts. Um, so I've got six six foot there that I would be happy to probably take on anything in period. Um, they, they'll walk forward and fight anything, really. Um, I've also got four skirmishes in that command because just to um, get shot at by Pete's, Pete's troops, really. Um, and the two, uh, the two Spanish, the medium impact, they're either a reserve or if there's um, some rough terrain next to that command, they go on the end to make it eight wide um, fighting this. Um, so that command just walks forward and fights anything, really. That's, um, it's a heavy duty command, goes forward, fights anything. The next command is, I think, what a lot of people have, done um two light horse and two medium cavalry they're the occupy space mess around um two medium cavalry might be um, be able to do something but they're the skirmishing command and the other command i was thinking should i go cavalry heavy but i didn't i went with um two medium cavalry and two light horse and a brilliant general this is a brilliant general two medium cavalry and two light horse to do the same job on the other side but also um or medium impact goals, um, which again, in rough terrain, especially with the two Spanish Scutari, six of them in rough terrain, there is nothing they're going to face in rough terrain that they're going to be scared of. Um, so the idea is use the strategist and the initiative to make sure I get a good patch of rough halfway up the table. Um, and then I go in with six heavy foot, six very good heavy foot wide, and six very good medium foot wide. Um, and I shunt forwards and I fight what's ever in front of me and the light horse and the medium cav sort of like mess around on the flanks to make sure the flank doesn't collapse. There's 24 in the army um, and as long as I don't lose the skirmishes and the um, medium and light horse, that means all my fighting troops have got to die. So um, the plan is just really good battle troops. They walk forwards and they fight what's in front of them because the Elite troops and the armoured troops, especially with Hannibal to rally them, um, should be able to win the game of attrition. Okay, because that, that was going to be my question on it. it you know, from, from that, you know, Peter's got the irregular impetuous swordsman and, and Tommy's army list had the, um, a lot of elephants in it um, to use the strategist and had a lot of troops. It, I was just thinking that your strategist command was was actually all sort of quite controllable and you know there, it was wider than six for sure because yeah. the two mediums operate independently but it it was a little bit it sort of felt a little bit maybe controllable for it, it didn't feel like it was entirely using the command and control but you're using it more to get with the other four impact foot in the other command the strategist control over terrain is really important and you're thinking get them in early get a war of attrition do some rallying so yeah 
a question for you, Adam. How's your experience been? Because you've got one command, which is all medium truth, but haven't you, from what you just said? Well, medium and cavern light horse, yeah. Yeah, because I've had mixed results with having that sort of group because the, the medium foot just by itself, I like using the, them as wingmen, but medium foot themselves, um, as you're saying, you need the terrain. Without the terrain, they end up being, I, I don't know, fodder. It, it might be the way I'm using them, but I've been caught out a few times. Well, I think that's true, but um, my experience of ADLG isn't as much as most people um, that we're talking with. But I think it's fair to say that, especially with a strategist, you're going to end up with a good patch of rough in the right place. Um, and even if you're not, as long as they're not fighting mounted troops, um, although they only get three hits, they're impact swordsmen. So even against heavy troops, they're not disastrously bad yeah. so um they'll get rolled over by cataphracts but if the worst comes to the worst as long as they're fighting enemy heavy foot they don't yeah. stand up i think also in period you know and obviously in period is a flexible thing but but the carthaginians are sort of in that hellenistic successor a little bit earlier before that which you don't really tend to encounter much other than the usual you know one to three companions you don't see very much impact mounted in, in this period. You don't see many cataphracts. So in period, I don't think impact medium foot are, are quite as vulnerable as once you start to get into the later period when there's loads more lancers and, and cataphracts and things just marching around. So, but it's, it's, it is a gray area about when that, that definition of in period ends really. But yeah, I, I don't think they're quite as vulnerable early doors as, as they would be, um, would be later. Um, Okay, interesting. So that's a get it stuck in, win a war of attrition, and and win through pushing through a big bit of rough terrain on the flanks as well. Okay, right, Dave. Um, I'll I'll flip to your list now. Um, we've got this one up on on screen, which looks you know, looking at it straight away looks completely different. <laughs> that's intriguing. Well, I think this is. I mean, I, I think you know, if Julian, uh, our good friend Julian, is listening to this. He'd be having a. a, a an embolism, because <laughs> I mean, I was looking at um, Pete's list, Tommy's list. You know, um, Julian's got this policy that you need to have so many breakpoints in an army, and um, that's kind of something I've. But I also had some other thoughts. I mean, I wanted the strategist. I wanted it to be in Italy, because I thought then you got the impact goals, which gives you a lot more control of the army. So I've gone for a very, very, very heavy foot-based army. But then when I've played this army, I've always been using Alexandrian. And like you were saying, when I've, I've always sat there and gone, right, I've won the initiative. So, and then I've sat there, watched the army go down. And then I thought, right, my companions are going around one end of the table. And they're going to thump. And, it, and it's always worked that um, Hello, Daryl, Daryl Pierce. I've done this to you a couple of times, so I'm afraid to say. <laughs> so what I thought I needed something which will contact, will try and control against that sort of command. And that's where the strategist is. So there's, you've got an elephant with Scutari, who are medium swordsmen impact. And uh, you've got some elite slingers to protect the elephant. Again, I've gone with an extra one so that you've got, if one dies, you've still got one there protecting the mediocre. There's two heavy cavalry elite and two Numidians elite. Now, 
I think that command can actually deal with a companion command and that allows you then to overwhelm the rest of the opponent's army with the heavy swordsman impacts, the heavy spearman armour and that command, yeah. So this is, this is super light on mounted then for, a, for this yeah, army. You've only I got think, the two heavy I cavalry. Think, I think the mounted suck in this <laughs> army because someone is going to come with an Alexandrian army with impact heavy cavalry. So you, you, either, you either go for a command with a lot with all the Punic cavalry and have like six of them and go incredibly heavy to try, or you just don't bother and you hope you get, them, you, you hope you get the terrain to control it. The initiative is very good. And um, what I, one thing I really like with this army is you've got, a, you've got what's it, three, um, four, five. So you've got seven heavy foot in first command across, and then you've got some medium foot to keep the enemy on the, on the go. So they can operate, operate around the edges. That's my thought on that. I like to have heavy foot going forward but with some medium foot, which can go round the edges to get into the flanks. Yeah, because you've got you've actually got seventeen combat troops and only yeah. five lights in here, which is you know completely the other way round to exactly. to other people. So is this given that you don't have cavalry and light horse for both flanks? You've actually got a kind of a mini cavalry command, also commanded by the strategist who's got a, a kind of Death Star with him. Yeah. Um, that's all your cavalry. Um, does that mean you're you're really what, angling for a waterway or a river or a big big chunk of terrain to try and narrow the table down for yeah, this? I think so. Then run the spearman armor down the waterway with the Gauls on the inside of them for uh, a bit of impact as they are as it's as they sound, and then you've got the Gauls for terrain. The third command with some medium swordsman impact for terrain and to expose things, and then. If there is an open open wing, it's the strategist. And what I like there is you can put the Numidian light horse javelin very very wired, wide 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 with a Punic with the Punic cavalry. So you can turn it into a fourth command. Very definitely, yeah. And I think that will split up someone else's, you know, army. Yeah, and I'm looking, at, you know, that last command with just two javelin and three medium swordsman impact looks you know textbook one dimensional thing but but i'm guessing does it operate very closely with command one so it provides sort of the medium foot for that as well yeah and i think it sort of like trails behind but it can move quickly to get around and in you know expose things yeah and the javelin i guess can drive off enemy skirmishes yeah, exactly and like all light horse on another flank okay interesting all right well let's Let's flip to a, another one now that's on Little Army Designer. So, Tamsin, um, we've got your, your army list up here, which um, I'm just trying to sort of start off by comparing it to, to Dave's because that's what we've got. So, so you've, you've ducked, ducked the Hannibal. You've ducked the strategist. First person so far. Well done without resisting that temptation. But, but talk us through how this all works then. I really don't know where to go with this list. I, it's not period that I'm... Um overly familiar with uh, with the armies of and essentially I went and sort of knew I wanted a sort of a good heavy uh, a good infantry block of infantry for one command. So I went with six six African heavy spearmen, two javelin men because 
yeah, other armies in period might have elephants, so you want them to deal with, and then a couple of skirm, skirmish javelin, light infantry javelin, sort of skirmish out front, I help with elephants, things like that. Uh, I had a cavalry command to go on one of the wings, whichever, with two heavy cavalry elites, and then two light cavalry javelin, and a medium cavalry, all ordinary, just to provide, I provide backup, punch, whatever. Uh, third command, well, got elephants, and you can take three of them. It'd be rude not to, so. <laughs> yeah. This is the mega so, Death Star, isn't it? That's Carthaginian mega Death, Death Star. Star. So three elephants, four Spanish Scutari, medium sword impact, and some light infantry javelin to screen the elephants. No, that's that's all straightforward, doesn't it? That all does what it says on the tin. Yeah. Big block of spear. 25 units. Yep. I haven't got as much initiative as some of the others, but... Three is still, three's still a solid lumber, I think. Pretty good. I think, you know, it's straightforward to do. And looking at it and just thinking on this context of being in period, two elite heavy cavalry and one medium cavalry and a couple of lights is is still a pretty decent cavalry force for in period before you because your challenge with your your companions and stuff is you do struggle to get get that many of them and they end up getting pulled into the rest of the army so looking looking at all these lists the more i look at it the more i think two elite heavy cavalry plus a bit of extra stuff is actually not a bad cavalry force at all it's not overwhelming but it it should be able to hold its own against a lot of other stuff you know your romans are going to struggle to dish out much more than than that on any particular flank I was just thinking on the last couple of lists uh, about the mediocre elephants. Are they really going to hit? Because um, normally when I do elephants, I do elite elephants. I've tried ordinary elephants and they're very 50-50. So are the mediocre ones just going to hit stuff and then die? But I think in, in my experience, they either die or they win, really. <laughs> um, but, but because they're quite cheap, um, you know, only 10 points each, you can kind of live with them dying, but maybe it's one of those troop types that the psychological effect is greater than they are. Um, you know, nothing, they still cancel all sorts of factors for other people and they're a real problem for mounted. Mounted is still not going no, near those, even if they're mediocre. You're not charging those with cavalry, even if they're mediocre. But I think if you've got enough light foot to, to keep them uninjured, when they get injured, they're in a real world of problem very quickly. But, and I think maybe that's that's one of the things looking at, at the previous three or four lists is is whether the there's quite enough light foot in that command to screen three elephants, whether there needs to be four or five and and whether they do need to be be a bit elite, um, possibly. Whether it might be I would agree with you on that. And sort of list, listening to the others and their lists. Yeah, I I think what I probably would do is Drop the medium cavalry from the from the cavalry command and spend the um, points on. Yeah, elite light foot are always worth having. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd almost be tempted to drop one of the African spearmen. You know, get mm. get yourself eight points and then yeah, and then another, like another two. I was trying to work out the points there. Yeah, actually, if you drop Five one of the spearmen, you get four light infantry in the fourth command, and you can make them all elite. 
that would that would be eight more points wouldn't it um that might be a tidier way to do it then you really yeah. are are covering those elephants with something quite safe two twos or twos and threes and stuff three and a one that might be a, a better yeah. way of doing it but probably better yeah yeah because you're still doing that all right that's a nice nice straightforward list um and and traditional one so let's have a quick look at um so we got we got simon and and andy um just trying to think did you yes you did send me yours didn't you andy um yeah oh, this is me um well let's talk about my list because i flicked this up and then i need to dig out andy's from um from my email so this again i went hannibal um you kind of have to I've, I've got the figure he's got the beard um he's been seen on the internet so he does sort of have to appear it'd be rude not to and and i think that he does a yeah, possibly well i've got his brother as well but um so i i went for a that whole thing of everybody's got a small cavalry command can i get a bigger one for the start so i've got two ordinary heavy cavalry and then two elite medium cavalry because i was just thinking this is more about numbers than it is about quality and punch because they lack impact so i thought the heavy cavalry can get away with being ordinary and boosting the medium cavalry to elite is almost as good. So it gives me four pretty good ones rather than two really good ones and two two filler. And then another two like cavalry javelin um, to make that sort of six wide. And I included the general to give to give them a bit more punch, but I don't think I've really finished my thought process as to whether he'd be in a, a medium cavalry or not. You know, you might even decide to mix up one heavy cavalry elite, one ordinary, one medium elite, one ordinary, but that starts to get a bit messy just to, on that basis of four cavalry should be more than most other people's command. Um, and then in the, the middle with the strategist, with the Hannibal, um, this was a bit of a kind of dog's breakfast. There's a proper, proper-ish Death Star, a um, couple of impact swordsmen either side of a crap elephant. Um, I, I've not really thought about upgrading the elite but having listened to five other people saying it's a good idea um maybe i should so it's it's a death star with two medium swordsmen and, and a couple of light infantry javelin in front of it and then a block of four um heavy foot so two of the regular gallic swordsmen heavy swordsman impact and two of the um, um campanians heavy swordsman armor impact so this is just four stodgy impact swordsman to, to go forwards is the second part of this general's command um, and at one point i did have a an extra medium cavalry in there but i decided to swap it out for a javelin man gives you a little bit more shooting a little bit more light entry um you know chasing off a little bit of anti-elephant in there and i thought there's enough cavalry on on both the wings to not have an extra one just floating around in the middle it would give it too much so it's it's really four heavy foot and a three wide death star it's sort of a seven plus a javelin man in reserve to go forwards and and obviously the death star can sort of peel off and, and work on its own and then the final one was another sort of well a bit of both really it was um three heavy infantry two of the elite spearmen with armor because i think their spearmen are really an under undercooked troop type but if you can give them armor and elite suddenly they actually do really start to shine and become really hard to take down so so again both of these are a bit um you know fight toe to toe whilst we try and push around the flanks so there's three 
three heavy infantry, the two elite with armor and one impact that's uh, Gallic. And then you've got another sort of half-hearted um, cavalry command with two medium cavalry elite and a light cavalry ordinary. And I think that's, you know, that's using the elite to go in there and, and tough it out against other people's cavalry, possibly one of the spearmen or two of the spearmen support it and, and try and chase people away. And then just the textbook light infantry javelinmen to, to screen the, to screen the heavy swordsmen. But, but you know, whether that's even necessary given the spearmen have got armor, um, you know, maybe there's a better way of spending those points, which, which only still gets me up to an initiative of three, which is a bit disappointing with the strategist. And I think I probably screwed up by not making the first one competent or, or something like that. It should really be four and, and it's a fairly small 23, but it's, it's got three punchy bits and then a, a bigger, hopefully bigger than yours, um, cavalry wing to do stuff on on the flanks any comments from the um from the jury at the top of the screen like the heavy spearman armor elite they're really good yeah they're, they're really tough but it, yeah. i was almost tempted to go with more of them but but they're but, they're really tough but they're resilient but they're not necessarily a winning troop type the impact is is a bit better sometimes they'll stick your line together they won't break enemy lines, but they'll stick your own line together really well. Yeah. Yeah. The, going back to Adam's comment at the start, uh, your line, your actual impact troops, you haven't got that many. Yeah. There's there's three of them there, isn't there? Then um, oh, there's three there's three heavy. No, there's four heavy, um, five heavy, and two um, mediums. So there's seven plus an elephant in that one. You know, it's you've got six impact. You got six impact swordsmen in, in, in your centre command. How much more punchy do you want? Well, companions are really, really good as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking of Adam's comment at the top about um, if your commands are taken out separately. Um, you know, unless unless you're keeping command two and three together, um, mm. they can be defeated in detail because they'll be overlapped to either side, won't they? Yeah, but I think those two and three are together because I, I, what I'd see is that that elephant Death Star has got the ability to to sit either side of of those things. So you could deploy them in a heavy foot in the centre, Death Star, heavy foot cavalry, or you could you know move the Death Star to the other side so the Death Star supports the cavalry command, and then suddenly you've got a block of you know seven or eight heavy spearmen, heavy swordsmen. Um, in fact, seven of them, heavy sword, spear and swordsmen and, and the javelinmen and, and other bits and pieces as well. So, you know, it's one of those where you're using the strategist to the command structure you'd fight with isn't necessarily the same as the command structure you'd you'd see on the list um, because the strategist can split that command up into two and it can join up and work with, with either of the other ones. But, but yeah, so, but again, it's, it's just trying to do something a little bit different from, from some of the more standard ways and, and just have a bit more punch. And, but I think the real, the bit I'd really be looking for strangely is that very first command with four, hopefully more than yours, um, cavalry to, to really work it. While there's a lot of different threats in, in the other two commands to soak up people's attention. Yeah, they'd be forced to peel off to counteract that first command, wouldn't they? Because yeah, that would strip away some of their other things. Have it. Yeah. That's the plan. So, okay. All right. Well, Simon, do you want to um, talk us through your list? Well, oh, you're on mute. Actually, I'll unmute you yeah. briefly. He's gone to sleep. 
No, um, I don't have a list, sorry. Oh, oh. all right. Oh, we'll, skip you then. we'll skip you then, Andy. Um, so I then need to dig you out. Scipio you. Scipio <laughs> you, that's good. Um, uh, right. but okay. Did I? Have we got Richard Case's list? We have we got Dandy's got a list somewhere. I'm just trying to think oh, where yeah. I put it. Did you email me, Andy? Yeah, I sent it from their little army designer. Okay, I must have it somewhere. We'll edit this sent bit out. It, um, last night. Okay, so that would have come. Because I realised shit last night. sold on eBay. That's all good. That one. About eleven thirty minutes last night. About that. Yeah. Andy Finkel. Right. Yeah. Right, Ron. So, um, podcast Monday night. We're on. Let's get rid of that so we don't get dinging. Um, so then, Andy, we've got your podcast Hannibal in Italy list here again on on Little Army Designer, which. At first glance, has got about a million different group types in it. It's, it's almost off the bottom of the page. Um, talk well, talk it's, us through it's, this. Okay. Well, in fact, it's quite similar to your list. Um, it must be a good one. I'm impressed already. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, yeah. so if we start with we, um, if we start with list number two in the middle, that's my cavalry command, which has got um, three medium cavalry, two elite heavies, and two elite light cavalry javelins, and that I think could bully most people's cavalry corps in period. That, that would and certainly then, bully my, bully yours. My, my command that's supposed to be bigger than yours isn't bigger than yours in, in any way whatsoever. Yeah, that's, that's pokey. Yeah, so, so um, I mean, I've had to make the commander unreliable, but, uh, you know, it was, if I can get him going, and given that I've got Hannibal as a strategist to kickstart him with the extra pips if I need to, um, you know, that should, most of the time, be able to operate quite well and, overwhelm a flank of enemy cavalry. Uh, then first core is the strategist core and I've got three elite heavy spearmen because I like them. I like the figures and I've got them and I like them as a troop type. What well, if they're fighting Roman legionaries after the first combat when you're half a pip down because of the quality, you're then half a pip up on them so that they should stand up fairly well. Um, I've gone for uh, the impact, so I've gone for the Hannibal in Italy list, so you get the impact rather than impetuous infantry. Again, I've got the two armoured uh, impact Italian swordsmen, uh, Gallic heavy infantry. I've got a medium cavalry just to kind of run around the back and, uh, uh, you know, cover blocks there or potentially threaten the flank. Okay. And uh, it's got a, 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 a medium infantry to hopefully, you know, extend the line and go around the back and uh, two elite light infantry shooters. So if, if an elephant comes along, they can shoot at it. Okay. So your strategist is really driving a, a medium swordsman and a medium cavalry to fill in gaps. And you've got a big solid block of some of the best, best heavy yeah, foot in the army. Heavy infantry. Yeah. 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 And then Free the other command uh, down the bottom is a, was well, basically a death star. I've got um, one elephant, uh, two impact medium swords, a javelin man, uh, an ordinary light javelin and a Balearic elite slinger. Okay. The 23 units. So that's textbook Death Star, bigger command than yours of, um, that bigger than yours cavalry command and a, and a really pokey, but yeah, that's, that's kind of very similar to mine, isn't it? I guess you popped the Death Star into a separate command, whereas I'd use the, the strategies to effectively have that as a, a two in one one, but you've actually got more cavalry in a, um, weighted on that one wing and you can even send another medium cavalry to kind of join it i guess you're yeah. you're a bit more dependent on on coast because you've only got 
one one cavalry and light horse command there, but possibly yeah. but then strategists and terrain control for aggression you can attack as yeah, well. Yeah, but initiative of four, so that's uh, you know I, sh I should have a decent chance of uh, controlling what the battlefield looks like. Okay. Any any comments from the gallery? Uh, it's just on, on third command, and you 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 said you got a javelinman and a light infantry javelin. According to the list that I'm looking at, you got two light infantry javelin. Uh, oh, that's, that's true, a isn't good it? Point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something something's gone slightly wrong. Okay. Uh, probably, you've got, you've got more screening light foot than um, more screening light foot. Uh, you than could them. probably make it a javelin. I sort of keep it the list as it is. Javelin, yeah. Make it an actual javelin, LMI javelin, then. Uh, I could do. I could do, but commands are ordinary or unreliable for points. Yeah, that then, then, I'd, then I'd lose out on initiative. Yeah, you'd have to make him unreliable, wouldn't you? Or in, yeah. included, yeah. Would be, included would be a bit scary. I think even for me, two unreliable generals is asking for My only comment is they've got the best army names, best commander names. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Tread of Tyre and marsupial platypus antipodes is quite good. No, that's all good. That's there. Yeah, you okay. didn't like my ones then? I no, didn't miss those. No, there were some good ones there as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, Are the, um, because of the troop types, the, the armies that have got 23, um, normally when we've got 23, I'm just thinking it's either we've got a lot more armour or we've got shooty cavalry types where we're doing the like Gaznivid. Um, type go in and it's like shooty cab that can evade. So is it a case that you know either you go in and you're going to win and it's win fast, or you're going to lose pretty fast because as soon as like the you know mediocre elephants take a hit, they're going to go down fast, and then that leaves like that would be one command which is pretty much not much else there. So I'm just thinking you know these games will be over pretty fast as soon as they go in. It's it's not going to be a grind out like some of the medieval ones. Sometimes it's. it's I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't say that, uh, uh, Peter, because the um, I've, of my six heavy infantry, five of them are armoured. Well, that's just it. Because you're twenty-three units, I could effectively mitigate the six heavy armoured guys and try to, you know, kite them a bit and focus on the rest. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. I've had that happen to me before when I, I turned up with a bunch of heavy spearmen with armor and um, the guy just kited me uh, around the table and I didn't actually manage to get a hit in. I, I'm just saying about the experiences that I, what's happened to me before, that they didn't even worry about that. They just didn't go anywhere near him. They yeah, just I, th I think that's him. maybe where the, the in-period theory comes because, you know, there's not really those, those sort of skirmishy light horse armies in this period everybody is sort of geared around a bit of straight up and fight. So, you know, you're, you're actually looking about your heavy spearman armor taking on pikemen or, or Roman legions or something in, in, in this period, it's a bit harder to dance around. And also I don't think 23 is a bad number. You know, I'm, I'm starting to go, you're small at 20, 21, 19, even 23 is decent. I think 29 is enormous. That's, that's real top end of, of whatever it yeah. is. You know, that's, that's, that's a vast army. I think 23 is good and 25 is large. 27 and 29 is... You're fading quality for quantity, aren't you, there? Yeah. It's starting to get outrageous. Okay. So I think if Can we I look back... Go on. 
Can I just suggest um, when the lockdown does end, because the Central London One Day competitions, um, a, um, a set up for a one day competition of um, you can have a period of Carthaginian, Carthaginian armies allowed, Carthaginian. Carthaginian. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I, I, think it's definitely, I think it's definitely possible. I think if we look, there was what six or seven, well, seven or eight armies there, and um, we've got. I think most people went for Hannibal in Italy, um, because fact, I think armies it, allowed Hannibal in Italy. Hannibal in Italy. <laughs> but I think most people went for that to, instead of having the impetuous. I think was it Peter? You used the impetuous ones in a, yeah. a slightly different thing. Use the stretches in a different way. So, it, so instead of the clones for the Order 66, we're doing the Order 55, the Carth Death by Carthage. Death by Carthage. Um, but it's again, it's two different ways to use the strategist. It's I mean, if you want to have a load of elephants, if you want to have more than one elephant, you've got to go for the Hannibal Knot in Italy. This means war. So coming up now, then we've got a new feature because we've been in lockdown for about seven or seven or eight weeks. And I think we're starting to find ways around this. So I think this is a new bit of has anybody actually done any gaming this week? And I think, Andy, you've you've um, done something to orchestrate Dave playing a game somehow in some sort of complicated way with your with your um, your campaign. Yes. Right. Um, the campaign um, I was asked by. Dan Hazelwood to explain this. So here's a picture of the map we were using to That's campaign. Brilliant on. for radio, Andy. Brilliant for radio. <laughs> oh, um. I thought you could video this. <laughs> well, um, okay. Uh, for those watching in black and white, it's yes. the um, southern Germany map from Blucher. Or in Inaki's case, the, the northern Germany map until the facts of life were told to him. Um, and uh, basically, what happens is you've got a grid of eight by six, and each Square has got terrain features on it. For the purpose of this campaign, each player had four columns running around and each had to be in a different square. Three of the columns equated to cores in their ADLG army list and the other one was a dummy. Uh, so when they actually got to a situation where a battle could be declared, each core was in a different square. Now that didn't mean that when you came to fight the battle, you had to split each core into a different sector of the battlefield, but it did define how they set up as between you know which was right center left, right, right center okay yeah the terrain in the map determined what the terrain features would be on the table dave managed to pick the most crowded part of the world ever which had on a battlefield about 11 bits of terrain so given that the maximum you normally get in an aglg game was nine i had to cut it down a bit but the idea was you know if there was a built-up area or a wood or something on the map that would find its way onto the table and then you might just have less choice as to what else you put down and then um, an ADLG battle broke out uh, Dave had 29 units Inaki had 25 um, the way campaign works whoever's holding the most terrain uh, you know village and town points at the time will win the campaign unless their army is broken by the enemy during the course of the battle so since Inaki was holding most of the terrain, Dave had the onus of breaking his army and came pretty close, closer than I thought he would. But in the end, you know, impetuous Viking medium foot just carved a swathe through uh, mediocre uh, feared and, and, um, 
that was basically the end of that. All right. Okay. So, so how, this game was played. I think you talked about this a little bit, Dave. You were you were a participant in the strategy and the actual game. So, so how was that um, in so terms of, of playing a game sort of by remote control? So, I think Andy's idea is with refighting 1066. So, it's um, I'm Anglo-Saxon against Vikings, and on on the um, Blucher-based campaign situation, we ended up with a river in the middle of the table, which was really funny because that corresponds with uh, Stamford Bridge and that worked really well. Um, I think Andy's idea of doing each term with sending his photographs on WhatsApp was quite good. And then we could sort of like issue orders to him so, I mean, at the end of the day, Andy do, was doing all the legwork. He had the table out in the living room. <laughs> it gave it a bit of a fog of war effect because you were sitting there looking at the photographs. You weren't quite sure how far before, you know, you wanted to go forward and things like that. Um, I thought it worked really well. Okay. So, and, and then I think, Simon, you're, you and Peter are supposed to be getting involved in in the next stage of this battle once you you start pulling lists and things together yeah so the part of it would imply that i could actually do a legal list so <laughs> other than minor details like that well you did you did send me a list and i made some observations on it and then you said damn i should have looked at the norman list which i think is probably one of the last things harold may have said yeah <laughs> work out what they could have had what troop types yeah. they were involved in watch out for the bowmen yeah <laughs> all right okay so anybody else managed to get any any kind of gamey type stuff in i think peter you've been playing a little bit with tabletop simulator haven't you yes um i pulled it uh, down and i had a look at what uh, massimo's done and several other people have been uh, looking at tabletop simulator so basically it's taking the art de la guerre um setup and trying to simulate it on this uh, sandbox environment. And they've actually set up various troop types. I haven't managed to have a full go, full game of it yet, but there's about uh, eight or nine actual armies on there now. So including a generic one, which would keep Simon happy, which would uh, suit his sort of medieval Germans uh, quite nicely, so he can get some heavy metal on the table. Um, but um, it looks quite interesting for lockdown, so I'm going to have a try at that by the next uh, podcast and uh, try and pull the different things down and also see what it's like to actually try and create some troop types because uh, uh, I wouldn't mind having a go at some uh, Normans in Sicily um, just because, why not? Yeah, no, I've, I've downloaded it as well and I think it's the, the instructions or the instruction videos are quite hard to come by and I think it's one of those things that's supposed to be intuitive which means we haven't really got instructions for it. But if you're about, you know, under 20, you just kind of get it. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably yeah. really my age with computer stuff. But but I think I'm nearly there. And I, I, some guys on yeah. um, one of the old Yahoo groups have explained to me how that you wheel bits of units. But it looks very doable. The idea that you can kind of grab your mouse and, and pick up a dice and hurl it across the table and it rolls and stops and stuff like that everything's got proper physics so so i think there's definitely some mileage in that so maybe um we'll have to offline yeah, kind of exchange ids list. yeah we'll have to try work out and just how to see if we can shove some troops around and see how that works and i think um the other thing i actually managed to do at the weekend was 
with that um, that 10 mil French was to split it into two halves and do the initial, the first few turns of the initial scenario of Battle Empire, because there's a scenario in the rule book, in the Napoleonic rule book, of two equal forces of about seven seven units of infantry and about three units of cavalry on on each side that you can go through and i think it's it's really interesting just you know i, I don't know the rules at all um and I, I don't particularly know how the period works but but just to play it out the the rules are structured that the base set of rules is you know you you roll some pips you move things forward they shoot they, they take hits, they take casualties, and, and it just works through those mechanics. And then there's another layer on top of the rules of, of orders and orders giving and, and higher level command that you don't have to play with initially to get the basics, but that then informs or constrains or forces you to, to do certain moves on the tactical level. But the first scenario just says play the tactical level, don't play the the orders based thing so i kind of rolled through that and you know it it was actually very playable um there's some very simple factors you're you're rolling opposed dice and and the big thing i think everybody's been we've all been chewing around on the whatsapp group is about um base widths and base sizes and my troops have got a mix of three centimeter bases which is a six centimeter wide unit and four centimeter bases for an eight centimeter wide unit and honestly it made no difference at all um you know I, there wasn't a time at which you were able to concentrate huge amounts of fire or do anything complicated because one unit shoots at one unit and returns fire you're rolling a d6 you've got some extra base factors on top of that um and an extra shooter is just a plus one so you know and it's not um a quite normal opposed shooting like in Art de la Guerre you you get a total score so maybe your base score for shooting is two you've got supporting unit three you roll a dice that gives you seven you look up on a chart and seven is equivalent to a certain amount of damage or a certain reaction on the enemy so it's not shooting isn't an opposed score where you're adding up the difference so even if you're able to even if one of my sides had had all three centimeter basing, the most it ever would have done through squeezing in would be possibly less units would exchange fire and some of them might have been at a plus one. But then at the other end of the line, the, the wider opponent would have overlapped them and, and got that benefit back. So I really thought that, you know, because it's all one combat on one combat, when they charge in, it's one at a time. Um, supporting units are behind not necessarily an overlap and um oh my god you do need supporting units behind um as i discovered because when you get repulsed um if you don't have friends to fall back behind you go bloody miles um and you're never coming back to the battlefield it's a nightmare um and i, I also found out that the polionics isn't the same as ancients which is which is a bit of a shocker um who knew you know different tactics and all sorts of stuff so so i, I tried charging um, I didn't quite get the artillery because it was only one artillery unit per side and I never kind of really got it doing much. But, um, you know, I, I kind of, my good troops, they shot the enemy, they did a little bit of damage, they charged in. And then I found out that steady troops receiving a charge in line get like loads of pluses um, mm. for the shooting as you come in. So my, my unit who were thinking, oh, we've got a little opportunity here, let's pile in and take it, got absolutely hammered 
uh, and set back. But, but but the move distances seemed all right on a normal ATLG size board. The the thirty mil, um, you know, movement things. I'd even did some strategic movement where you can move a division or a, you know a core or whatever it is, um, like a group of units, a, a command multiple times as long as it stays out of tactical range of the enemy and and i kind of went round the flank and and tried to to attack myself from, from one side and so you could move a reserve quite a lot um quite easily to to redeploy things once it starts to reserve but but in that weird thing that adlg seems to do with the small table size that actually has a lot more benefits than you think whilst you can redeploy a long way and you think this could be a game of dancing about because the table is actually quite small and shallow. Whilst you can redeploy, you know, around the table, um, you know, like 20 base, 20 times three, you redeploy something 60 centimeters or more. Um, the enemy is into tactical distance, which is 24 centimeters pretty bloody quickly because the table is only 80 across you start 10 or 15 in, you move a couple of times, and then there isn't room on the table, you know, along your base edge to do those big redeployments very, very swiftly in the game. So I was actually really impressed with mechanics, and I think, you know, I'll, I'll give it another go and, um, and and get the mechanics down a bit more pat. So perhaps that's one that we do when we do come back in um and uh, try and do a one day of uh, sort of like experiment day where we go I in definitely and try think and so. some different scenarios definitely think so yeah and um, and i won't have bought the 10 mil brits by then at all i promise i no, won't have bought them no, i won't no. have paint them i'm not no, you, looking you at got... them as we as we speak on another screen here at all on the pendragon <laughs> website it's really not happening really not i was vaguely thinking of getting a 10 mil army i wasn't sure whether to go for austrians or russians well you know i if i would I, because I, I, I only know blue and red, I would end up getting Brits if I get a second one, which I won't. I will never do that. I won't do that. I won't. I won't come so next week on the podcast, is <laughs> next week, yeah, <laughs> yeah Tim's painting project. Um, it's what I purchased well, recently. Well, one but, other thing though, on the uh, tabletop simulator, there's Battle Empire there as well. I spotted that, so that may be the answer. That may be the, the answer to give that a go yeah. um, and try that. Try but but I, while I think you're painting your blue, probably, probably uh, another go through. Yeah, another go through with the basic rules, and then I will start trying to overlay the strategic um, orders sort of thing on top of it, which I think would add quite a bit. But you know, the basic mechanics seem to work, and, and stuff moved, stuff shot, stuff attacked. It fell back. It was kind of neat. So, so actually, some real soldiers moved on table this Fantastic. weekend. Well, you sound very positive about it, and that's good. No, I, I was chuffed about it. I was pleasantly surprised, given I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, which is possibly like some of the poorer quality generals in in the actual historical period. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost up to American Civil War standards of incompetence. And not knowing <laughs> what was happening in that one? Yeah, you're Stonewall gnome. Stonewall gnome, indeed. Okay, then. Well, I think it's that we're we're cracking on. Time is is ticking over, and it's time for Andy's quiz, which is the moment which we all look forward to, um, mainly for the music, but sometimes for the questions, and definitely for the answers <laughs> from last week. So I think we're now into Andy's quiz. Andy, this is your bit. Off you go. Right. Last week, 
um, the question was all about um, known, uh, what are called known truths, and it was known by Napoleon. <laughs> I thought you were talking about gnomes. Are you obsessed with gnomes here? No. It says the man who's painting them. Um, exactly. So uh, um, I gave you three quotes by Napoleon using the word blank for one of the words from the quote, and you had to work out what the blank was. So the first one was, in politics, blank is not a handicap. Well, a difficult week for us to answer that without getting into a lot of trouble, <laughs> hasn't it, really? Go on, go for it. Knowledge. Talent. Intelligence. Stupidity. Stupidity. Right. <laughs> right, next one was, Blank is a sleeping giant. Let her sleep, for when she awakes, she will move the world. Russia? China. 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 Oh, Napoleon well, China. Wow. Yeah. And the third one is, you don't reason with intellectuals, you blank them. Execute? Blank. No, no, blank. Shoot. Shoot. <laughs> close with execute. Close, Tamsin. Close. Yeah, close. We'll give you give you fifty percent of the points there. Okay then. Yeah, very good. Right. So this week's quiz, the theme is um, famous last words. Which famous characters from military history are reputed to have made the following statements just before they died? First one quotes, to the strongest, unquote, in response to the question of to whom he was bequeathing his empire. I can't, it can't be Simon Miller, can it? The, the author of, no, he's still there, isn't he? Still producing well, I didn't to know the he strongest. Had an empire, but, um, yeah. anyway. I think he does, Second it's somewhere in Muswell Hill, yeah. It's obviously a powerful one. Second yeah. one is, aim at the heart, not the head said this person, to the firing squad he was facing. I think I know that one as well. And the third one is, quote, they couldn't hit an elephant at this distance, shortly before he was shot by an enemy sniper. Okay, good set of, good set of mystery quotes then. Brilliant. Well, I think um, that, that gets us that. on to next week. And um, the only thing to do is cue the music. So we've survived the music, we've survived the quiz, we've survived the questions, and just we've survived um, nearly till what feels like the early hours of the morning with this podcast. Two and a half hours. Far, oh, far too long. We'll, we'll edit some bits out and. Um, and put but that's about three episodes, isn't it? It's about three episodes. It's exactly. Paintbrushes, Carthaginians, all the other stuff. I think we're going to do it. It's all going to be grand. Um, so Netflix, Netflix so mini series at this point. <laughs> yeah, once we start <laughs> releasing the video, that will get really tricky, won't it? Um, so. So I think just to go around and say what's on the what's on the painting queue this week, and if I start with my top left, Mr. Simon, what have you got coming this week? I, I have a bucket load of Seven Year War Austrians and Swedes to be painted up. And, and what are those figures like? You know, we, we talked earlier at the very beginning of the program, sometime last year, um, that it was you've got a load of stuff from LKM. Um, what's what's your general impression of them so far? 
they're surprisingly quite nice for the price point. Um, they're, they're quite cost effective. And we start looking at the detail on, so I've got a bunch of the, the grenadiers and the artillery and all that. And they're quite nice. You can see lots of detail of the, of the, um, the belt, the ammunition, the, you know, the big hat and all Mitres, that. So, yeah. um, I've got, oh, there might be mitres, you know, the big, big black hat they had. Um, yeah. I think they'll paint out quite nicely. And I reckon with a, a bit of um, army painted dip type of technique, AKA my only way of painting, I think they'll come up really nicely at three foot. Three. Okay. And you're um, you're still having seen the figures now. Still going white undercoat and and, and go it that way. Yeah, that's definitely the answer. Okay. Well, we'll be interesting to see how those have gone during the week. So, Andy, what's what's next on your list of more huskars? Uh, no, we're we're huskarred out. We're out we're out to the fair. So um, hopefully, I'll I'll make some progress with them. I've got say fifty figures all various colors of block painting at the moment and i might even have finished some by next week excellent okay and and adam you and you and the family are you still shipping or are you doing other bits and pieces i'm um, other bits and pieces hope, hoping for two things uh, firstly is i'm um, doing some lord of the rings figures because uh part of the uh lockdown thing is i'm reading lord of the rings to my children and it takes a lot longer to read it out loud than it does reading it itself but we're halfway through two towers so i'm um, I'm going to paint up the Fellowship of the Ring because I've been tidying up my cupboards and discovered a Lord of the Rings box game thing that I bought, I don't know how many years ago, because I love Lord of the Rings, never painted. So I'm going to paint that up for the kids. And I'm also going to paint up some 20 mil Russian World War II tanks on the theory of why only collect World War II stuff on one scale. Excellent. What manufacturer are they from? Are they precasts or uh, they're, plastics? Um, I think they're uh, plastic, PSC, plastic soldier Plastic soldier company. company, they're the kits, they're um, the, the simple kits. Quite easy to put together, but look quite nice, so I'll yeah. uh, them together. Okay, one piece, one piece um, tracks, isn't it, on those ones? I yeah, think. it's like it's, there's, there's about five, six pieces all together in a kit. And are you going um, to do black undercoat? You're going to undercoat them at all? Just go straight um, I'm green? Undercoat, I've got some um, army painter Russian green. Fine. Um, and that's the undercoat. So the painting is the tracks and the detailing and uh, a mush, uh, a mud um, right. sort of dry brush. So you'll be lurking around the bottom of your garden, confusing the neighbours then with, with the spray can. Oh, always. Yeah, as always. But that's just general. That's just nothing to do with the painting. That does happen. So, Dave, are you going to, um, paint, are you going to paint the black blobs on them to show where the uh, German shells have gone through them? No, these are these are just ISUs. German shells don't go through these. Not ISUs, not at oh, all. Right. Oh, serious one. Right. <laughs> So, Dave, will you be done with your um, your your camels? And well, I think having sat here for two and a half hours doing this podcast, the camels are almost finished. Oh, okay. So you've done next week's painting already? No, no, no that's not true. Um, I've actually stuck six of them onto two bases mm -hmm. this evening. So um, Simon Finney wanted me to explain about some basing, so I'll take some pictures of my my stupid way of doing that for him. To him, uh, yeah, the camels will be done. Hopefully, the fighting 15 black man will arrive and we'll begin to finish. You know what, the samurai, and then it's start to look at. Oh, yeah, I know. I've got this prize thing. Well, it wasn't a prize, it was like um, 
it was a castle on an 80 by 40. Okay. Which I've sprayed black. Mm -hmm. um, which that might be quite funny to paint up as a medieval camp. You're going to get a Rapunzel figure, kind of, and well, yeah, someone climbing up it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, can you see it from there? I don't know. Yeah, it's a little tower, isn't it? It's a tiny yeah, little tower. It's a tower. It's, it's the one from Spain. Yeah, you made in uh, Alicante. Oh, it's it's a it's yeah, a bit like it's a bit like the lighthouse that I did. It's then. exactly like the lighthouse. Right, so okay, that needs to be done. And uh, then yes, it's the Ottomans after that. All right, uh, the long put off Ottomans. And then Tamsin, you I think you said earlier you're you're finishing off more of these mountain figures. Yes, and and four foot my four foot figures for command bases. Uh, that should be done within the next couple of days. I'm just leaving the basing to do for them. Uh, so at that point I'll switch to something else. Uh, I was thinking sort of the judge I really on to starting painting the Judge Dread figures that I've got, but I'm actually now thinking that I might make actually make a little bit of terrain up just to I do so I can do some games of strontium dog. Okay. Nice games. Wow, Adam, you're nodding. Are you a you're a 2018 man? Well, yeah, I love 2018. Was when I was a yeah. kid. I I know all about it. But it's just the um, Judge Dread figures. The the only one that I've painted is playing Malifaux. There's um there's a guild character called the Judge. Um, mm -hmm. and as far as I'm concerned, there was only one character that's going to be called Judge Judge. So um, in Malifaux, my Judge figure is actually Judge Dread. Steampunk thing. Okay, that would be a real. That would be a change for us to have a chat about next week. And then Peter, you're um, you're. You, I think you said second half of the Austrians. Yeah. So I'm doing my East End Austrians. I'm onto the geezers. Yeah. Uh, geezers, <laughs> Jaegers, and uh, the Grenadiers to bomb them all out. So um, all the ones with a bit of colour in. So they're not all totally white. They actually allowed a bit of sort of uh, blues, greens, and. Uh, I've even got some land here who have some very funny hats and top hats and sort of slouch hats. So it's like uh, the Austrian Australians. So um, all makes it a bit more interesting. But um, I've got various ones coming through the post. Um, so hopefully I'll have built out the Austrian army. It's uh, my sanity gra grasp of uh, lockdown with the Austrians. Okay. So th and that will definitely take you beyond the end of next week then. Well, uh, yes, because um, I've got some more on the way, um, so that's going to keep me for the next couple of weeks. So I might actually pick up a side project just to keep me going and maybe doing something other than just Napoleonics. I just haven't quite worked out what it is yet. Okay. Uh, it might be World War Two tanks or something, something to be a little bit different. But I've also got some uh, boats to put together as well from the um, Cruel Seas one, the motor torpedo boats. So if we've got a bit of nice weather, the spray cans coming out. All right. Okay. Well, I think hopefully can I, the weather. Can I you, Peter, into doing that army list? Uh, yes. That's okay. the other thing you're doing, isn't it? Yeah, you've, yeah I've got that. I've got the tabletop simulator to do, and in between, I still work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's six witnesses. You are going to do that army list this week. That's all. Yes. You're now caught, and then there might be at least some people listening by the end of this podcast as well. Who will maybe hold we you could to do account. this in parallel because maybe I could do the miniatures thing. And maybe you could try doing the battle on tabletop as well. See how it goes. Could, yeah. yeah, we could give that a go, possibly. Well, okay. there's, there's the, um, I think there's Anglo-Saxons, and I don't know about Normans, but I know there's Anglo-Saxons and Danes uh, on tabletop. All right. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, Viking so. ship has sailed, unfortunately. Yeah, possibly. I think for me, I've I've nearly got these um these M and M's um, Mondrian Swiss nearly finished. Um, I think I've got a Scottish Irish gnome, which is my last gnome to do, which involves a bit of sort of kilt-based colouring. Look, I've no idea. I got forced into it. It was a good idea at the time. Um, I'm sure my Irish Scottish army will beers were be, had, were they? Be very grateful for, for that sort of thing. And so what then, gnome is it, Tim? Um, this is sort of Anglo-Scottish-Irish one. It's it's definitely wearing a kilt and something like that, but but it's got very. Well, it's going to have very very ginger hair, I believe. I'm just trying to work out what to to paint the um paint the hat and other bits and pieces. So so, but I don't think that's going to take a week. Um, I think the the Swiss are very very nearly finished as well, and then it is that difficult decision about what to do next. It's that British army in ten million. Oh, yeah, I, I can hear I can hear the bugle call. No, I'm I'm almost tempted to. I think the Hungarians in 15s might might do well because I've got the 28 mil Arabs, and I'm not sure it's going to be a good enough spraying painting week to just wade to fill like enormous vast surfaces with 28 mil plastic Arabs, um, and then and I might also have to get some more liquid poly glue before I, I wade into that. So and my other 15 mil army to do is Spartacus, and and that's such a good project. I almost feel like having done the the French Napoleonic, I feel I should do something a bit more bog standard in between and kind of save Spartacus because lockdown's clearly going on till you know the back end of the summer, isn't it? To, to all intents and purposes, so so I don't want to peak too soon and do do all the fun stuff and have nothing um, nothing left to look forward to. So I, I think you know I'm saying it now. I'm going to probably have a go at the Hungarians, which will which will be you know they'll be nice, they'll be pretty. That'd be a straightforward army, and then if that can um, can put off me buying the the British Napoleonics, which I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get for a while. Sorry, Tim, what Hungarians? Um, it's um, 15 mil. Um, yeah, the evil what? Hungarians. I've got Essex Hungarians. Black army, sort of like yeah, Matthew Corvinius, all the the medieval, yeah. the Clippiati, and the Zeklers, and all those other bits and pieces. Um, what did ever happen? Yes, I know, I know. I keep asking. I keep asking about that Hungarian army, but but apparently it's still a loved family heirloom. So, no. yeah. but one day, one day that will come back, and that's a whole other story for a whole other podcast. I think, um, yeah, probably probably filed in a different um, different category, possibly. But um, Lucy, if you're listening, uh, well done for surviving to the end of this one, and we do all still think about those Hungarians. So that's probably um, a, a better note to end on than we've managed for the last few weeks. So. Thank you all um, around the table for surviving and um, good luck with the painting next week. Good luck with, with everybody having a go at Tabletop Simulator. We might, we might actually end up, if, we, if that does work, playing some games and um, not even having enough time to, to do this, which we probably don't really have enough time to talk for as long as we have mm. done this time. Um, and we'll see how we go. But there'll be, there'll be more of these coming up. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody, for taking part. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. And um, we will we'll leave you and leave you and um, stay safe out there. Goodbye. Bye.